Now extended through January 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 14th. See club for details. Welcome to the Delvin Cox Experience. I'm your host, Delvin Cox. And with me today is, well, I'll let them speak for yourself. Let them know who you are. What's up, everybody? I am Bobby, the Nintendo guru, uh, coming at you guys from New Jersey and all that good stuff. So good to be here, well, Delvin. Welcome to the podcast, Bobby. I am a fan, man. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome I appreciate you. it. Definitely. As always, we start the podcast with the five for five. For those who don't know, it's five questions, five answers to break dice. Bobby, are you ready? I, I guess so, Devil. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not a spelling test. Or nothing I, like I, I didn't know it was going to be, I didn't know we were going to have a, a pop quiz, man. I'm just, now I'm all nervous now. I, I, I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you. All right, okay. Question number one. What's the best album you listened to this past year? Oh, my Lord. The best, it doesn't does have to be new. You know what the best album I listened to this year I can't say the actual name. Well, uh, no, it's 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 NWA's. It's not straight out of Compton. It's the follow up album. Okay, you know you know about, that yeah. album. I, I love that album. That is one of my favorite albums ever. Um, I just it takes me back to a time when I was like 15 years old, and me and my cousins just driving down the street with the windows open with the tape cassettes popped in the tape cassette and just playing that album over and over and over again. And so um, I think last year or the earlier this year, I actually saw straight out of Compton great and um, it's a great movie. It's a phenomenal movie. You know, it's one of those movies where you watch it and it's like, you don't realize all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes uh, um, and how much of a mastermind easy was and all those guys so for me i watched i watched that and i was like man i gotta go back and, and listen to some of this stuff and, and i went back and i started listening i'm like i love this album and a lot of it is because i started to listen to i started watching all the stuff with ice cube all the behind the scenes drama so i started going back and listening to the albums of the like the fights and stuff it's so good man it was so good yeah definitely it's probably one of the best albums of all our time because it's the epitome of young person X. Yep. You can hear it. Yeah. The album literally says in so many words, F you to society. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing about it, Delvin, is this. So as a 15-year-old kid listening to that album for the first time, the cool thing was the profanity. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think yeah. I'm cool because I'm listening to profanity. They're dropping the F word and all this stuff. And I'm like... It's something I shouldn't be listening to, but I'm listening to it, and I'm thinking, like, oh, this is so cool. This is edgy. I go back and I listen now, and I'm like, holy cow, the messages they were sending back then. And we didn't, like, as a society, for people that, you know, we're all wrapped up in it now, everything that's going on now. Um, you go back and you listen to that album, and it's like, holy crap, dude. These guys were talking about this 20-something years ago. And and we're we're worse now than we were back then. That's nuts. Cause you listen to that stuff, and it's like caveman stuff, caveman mentality back then. So it's 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 pretty awesome. Cool, great, great. Second question. 
Mm-hmm. Favorite TV show of all time? Oh, man. You know what? I heard. I, <laughs> I think you're going to hit this question. Um, This is tough. So I have two mindsets. I'm going to give you two because it's. I'm going to go for okay. two mindsets. When I was a young kid, it was Saved by the Bell. Loved like that, that show. Bell. Used to tape that show every week. Loved it. Um, and then as I got older, it was Smallville. So it's, it's my two mindsets. Oh, I don't have a problem with Smallville at all. Yeah, Smallville's awesome. Because I used to love, um, I don't know if you remember, the Flash TV show. Mm-hmm. Not the one it comes on now. I know what you're talking about. The one with John Wesley Ship. Yep. He's actually in the new Flash. Yeah. It's kind of cool how they did all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay, question number three. Dumbest thing you ever done as a kid? Oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> so I was in seventh grade. I went to, we had a bad snowstorm at the house and the power went out. And my grandfather used to go to Florida every winter. And my dad would run the company and my mom, it was a family business. It was a big company. So the, the power went out and my mom was like, let's go to dad's house because he's got power. We go over there and through the course of the day, me and my cousins were all playing and stuff. And I started playing with matches and I lit the house on fire. Oh, I, I lit a plant on fire. I can, I, it's, it's a funny story now only because everything was okay and nobody got hurt at any of that. Yeah. So I go downstairs and never do to the, to this day, I never forget, go downstairs. My mom and my aunt are watching Oprah Winfrey. I sit down on the couch during a commercial break. I tell my mom, mom, I lit the house on fire. She jumps up. She starts punching me. Right. And she's asking me, she's asking me, where did you do this? And she's punching me. And my aunt, I go upstairs and my aunt goes up. She goes, I can't see it, but I can still smell it. I thought I put it out. So I like this dry bush, right? This dry shrub. I thought it was going to fizzle out. I didn't realize it was just going to go boom. I start blowing on it to try to put it out. Run in the other room, grab a blanket. My brother, my grandfather had some money, right? So my brother and my cousin found his stash of money, and they got $100 bills laid across the bed, and they're rolling around in the money because they just wanted to roll around in money, right? I go and go, guys, just let the room on fire. They, like, look at me. They think I'm kidding. They jump up when they realize going. They start throwing all the money into a back into the box to put it away so they don't get in trouble. I go in. I hit the plant. It goes across, hits the wall, falls down behind the dresser. Um, I think I got it out, but apparently when I hit it, sparks went down and lit the carpet up. So oh. I go, oh, it was bad. So, I, so that's when I go downstairs and talk, because I think it's out. My aunt's like, I can smell it, but I don't see it. Send them up to show me where it is. So I go up and I show her, here the rug's on fire. Rug caught back up on fire. My mom's getting water, throwing it on the, on the fire, and it's not going out. She, called, she yells to my aunt, call 911. Now, this is the part of the story that gets kind of kind of funny. My grandfather was fire chief of the town. When they called the fire in, everybody and their mother showed the chief's house on fire. Everybody and their mother shows up. And I'm telling you, there was 15 fire engines showed up. The police showed up. Every firefighter in the area shows up. And I'm sitting there like, please don't let my dad show up. That's all I want. So like my dad's going to jail because he's going to beat me within an inch of my life. <laughs> Firemen come in, they put it out. The, you know, my dad comes back because what the part, other part was my dad and my uncle 
we had a contract with the big local mall. So they were clearing snow at the mall. So they were away from all this when I happened. So my dad shows up for dinner and my mom tells him and he's like, where is he? And he cut, man, he whipped my butt so bad. I deserved it. I deserved it. But that's the dumbest thing I ever did. I don't think any of your guests will ever talk that. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think you might. I you think, might be up there. I, I think, think you the might key. <laughs> you might literally be number one. I think. Yeah. Chalfie's yeah. arm was. Chalfie broke his arm. Then laughed about oh. it and bragged about it with his with his cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's. I got Chalfie. Chalfie ain't got nothing on me. Come on, man. I almost literally burnt the fire chief's house down. How? <laughs> Dude, the people, the firemen that came, they were yelling at me and screaming. You should know, of all, they're like, of all people, you should know better. Yeah, you're right. I should know better. I just like the response that your mom gave when she just immediately started. Oh, dude, she just starts hauling off and punching me. And I'm like, <laughs> what the? But it's old school. You, you, you can't do that today. Like today, she'd be locked up, my dad be locked up, all that stuff. Nah. The cops wanted to beat me up. Are you kidding me? The cops were like, they got me up in the room. They're like, I, I remember this one fireman took me up in the room. He's like, sit on the bed and just stare at what you did and look at and let it sink in. I, honest to God, though, I'd never touched another match, you know, other than like birthday cakes and stuff like that. Never played with fire again. I learned my lesson, man. It was a bad lesson to learn, but I learned it. Definitely, definitely. <sighs> Question number four: mm-hmm. the top five Nintendo games of all time. Oh, man. Number one, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That, to me, is the best game ever. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, not Punch-Out. I want Mike Tyson in that game, not Mr. Dream. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is amazing. Uh, I go to Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, number one. Um, Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo, number two. Um, Man, it's going to be a little controversial. I'm actually going to throw Breath of the Wild as number three. That game is a that game is amazing. Um, Kid Icarus would be number four. Super Mario Brothers two would be number five. That's oh, what that's I be a controversial one right there. People hate number two. That is my favorite two D side scrolling Mario game of all time. I feel like there's so much stuff that happened in that game. They took so much stuff out of that game and moved it into iterations forward. The shy guys, the picking up, the float of Peach, the weird, uh, you know, stutter jump that, that Luigi does. Like they took so much stuff out of that game that carried forward in all kinds of iterations moving forward. I think it's the best of them all. It's my favorite of them all. Good choice. Good choice. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Number five. Mm-hmm. What is your gamer list of shame right now? My, my, my what? Gamer list of shame. What games you're trying to get to that you cannot get to for some reason? Oh it's man! Or play them. Oh god, that's a hard one. Um, because I've been playing. The sad thing is I've been playing the Switch so much. I'm just. I would probably play. I would probably say Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to get to that so bad, and I haven't had an opportunity. I've had the opportunity. I've just been in Nintendo World for a while. Um. Definitely that. Definitely Horizon, I would say. That's got to be my one that probably a lot of people in the world have gotten to already, and I'm still stuck in Nintendo World right now. And Zelda ate up so much of my time, and then I jumped into Splatoon now, and I can't stop playing Splatoon, so that that would be it. I have a confession to make. Okay. I am the opposite of you. Oh, really? I'm deep in Horizon Mm -hmm. and barely touch Zelda. Because... 
Man. So here's my question then. What is your reasoning for not spending more time in Zelda? Do you not like, like, what's pulling you into Zelda? I like Zelda a lot. I'm not a crazy, crazy Zelda fan. I used to like the old ones, like, Link to the Past and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My problem with this one, it's not really a problem with this one. It's the fact that at the time they came out, Horizon and Zelda are kind of so similar. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're huge open yeah. worlds with so much stuff to do in them. Yeah. It's one after another. That's true. That's very true. And I think that's what held me off from going over to Horizon yet. I'll probably, honestly, I'll probably hit Horizon, I want to say September, but I'm also afraid that when September hits, Nintendo's going to drop the DLC, you know, for it. Because that's basically what happened. Like, I was hitting the point where I was like, okay, I'm getting ready to jump into this. I'm going to give it a shot finally. And then the DLC hit, and I went back into Zelda and started just going nuts again. So I don't know. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to say. Definitely. Okay. Now that we got it out of the way, let everybody know who are you and what do you do. What makes so, Bobby special? Nothing makes Bobby special. I'm no. I'm not special at all. I'm no <laughs> different than anybody else on the internet. I just. The only thing is, is like, like, look, I, I have, I started out doing YouTube videos, um, that progressed into doing podcasting. I've got a lot of podcasts. I, I think I'm probably, and I, and I say this, and I mean it. I'm probably one of the hardest working people in our community. Like I have podcasts all over the place. I'm doing videos all over the place. Like I don't even know when I have time to sleep. It's getting to that point where it's just like, I'm constantly doing stuff. Um, But I also love how the community is growing and getting to that point where we're all just helping each other and growing our communities and stuff. It's amazing. But for me, like, so for what I do is I do pie. I do, I do the the YouTube videos. I have a, a, Daily show that I call Nintendo Talk that I do. Then on the weekends, I do a show called Nintendo Talk Live. Um, I do If We Ran Nintendo with Sean Capri. That's every week, um, an hour show. It's a podcast everywhere you go, iTunes, all that. Then I do another show with my buddy Toby called uh, Nintendo PlayStation Podcast. And then I do a third show with my buddy Mark, um, but that's a bi-weekly show called the Ink Strike Podcast, and that's Splatoon-based. So, yeah, I got a lot going on. Yeah, you definitely got a lot. It's nuts. <laughs> okay. Let's let's start from the beginning. Okay. Where did your love for video games come from? Oh man. So okay, I'm gonna go back. It's this is gonna go way back. All right. When I was a kid, I fell in love with video games, arcade cabinet games. So my grandparents used to own a bar. My 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 dad's parents used to own a bar. And we would go stay at my grand. We would go stay at grandma and grandpa's house, and in the morning, my grandmother would give me and my brother like five bucks each of quarters, and we would go downstairs. and She had Mister Do and Pac Man and, and all these different arcade games that she would wrote. They would rotate them through like once a month. There'd be a new game in there, and that's where I think it started. That and playing Donkey Kong and all that stuff. Like that's where it all started for me. And then one day, my dad comes home with an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. And he's like, here it is. This is this is the new thing. Like, let's check it out. And I remember me and my mom, my dad just sitting there playing, and I loved it. And then my mom brought home Pitfall for me. And that I think locked it in for me. Like I played Pitfall and that game, I sunk so much time into that game that it just became ingrained in me 
video games were just like at that point, like my life. And um, I played, I played so much Pitfall and was so good. There was a time where Activision, you would take a picture of the screen if you scored over a certain score, and you would take the picture and you would mail it off. And then, like three weeks later, they would send you a patch, like a patch you would put on your jacket or something. And I had all these different. I don't have them anymore. I wish I had them now, but I had all these different patches from Activision for like River Raid and like um, Pitfall and Pitfall Two, like just all this stuff that my mom would like come in and take a picture of the screen when I did something. And I would get this stuff, and it was it was nuts. Like it was just huge for me. So that I would say the twenty six hundred was was my start for video games. Honestly, yeah, I love the Atari twenty six hundred. It's one of those systems that doesn't get. The credit it deserves. It started us. The problem is with Atari is that it it caused the collapse. You know what I mean? Like it it legitimately almost killed video games in the United States. Um, I think what for me and and you're of that same era. You know what I mean? Like so so for me, why I love Nintendo so much is like I look at how good Atari was, and then you look Nintendo is just like light years beyond, just so far beyond anything you you got with the Atari and it was like this is nuts to see it's basically the same thing the same processing and all that like the same processing power and but these guys just create this stuff and it's just it's mind-blowing I always say Atari or Nintendo for the NES they were giving us stuff that we didn't know we wanted you know what I mean like Nintendo like nowadays it's like everybody sends like they'll tweet or they'll send emails and stuff to like Nintendo and all the devs and like, this is what we want. This is what we need. We want sequels. And back then they were like, we would get sequels, but there would be nothing like we even, there were nothing like the original. And like, look at Zelda and Zelda two, look at uh, Castlevania, Castlevania two, Mario, Mario two. Like you look at these games, they just went total different directions. They did all these crazy things. You were playing these games that like, again, you never asked for them, but you would just, Go to the store, pick it up, drop it in the machine. It was like it was mind blowing how good they were. You know what I mean? So that's what I think. That's where I think the love for Nintendo comes because you see what Atari gave us, and then you see what Nintendo gave us, and it was just light years ahead of each other. So, what was your first Nintendo game you remember playing? Oh man, man. the first game I ever played was Mike Tyson's Punch Out. So my uncle one day calls my dad up and says, "Come down." Cause my family was a big boxing family. My my grandfather was a Golden Glove boxer in the in the Marines. My uncle was a Golden Glove boxer in the Marines. Oh, awesome. My my grandfather and my uncle were friends from New York. Um, and my uncle used to spar with Rocky Marciano, and my grandfather always got asked to spar by Jake Lamada, but he refused to spar with Jake LaMotta because Jake LaMotta would pay guys to come in and spar and he would treat them like knockout guys in boxing. There's two different things. You bring a guy in to spar with you and he's just supposed to loosen you up and get you speed and all that knockout guys are guys. You pay extra money and you go in there to like, try to knock them out. Jake LaMotta was a cheap SOB. And what he would do is he would pay the sparring guys to come in and then he would try to knock them out. And my grandfather heard these rumors. Like he went the opposite direction. So growing up, we were a boxing family. That was just, we, we watched Sugar Ray and all these different guys all the time. And that was it. It was when big boxing events happened. We went to my grandfather's house. He'd buy the pay-per-view and we'd all hang out and watch it. So my, my uncle calls my dad one day. He said, come down here. You got to see this, man. This is amazing. Bring the kids down. So we go down there and he's got this NES and Mike Tyson's punch outs there. And 
I played it and I fell in love. And that was it for me. Like that game just did it for me. I put so much time into that game. So, but that would be the first game I ever played. And it's to this day, like I said, it's my favorite game of all time. Well, let's take a little detour for a minute. Cause I want to talk about what yeah. you talked about before with the, so your, your family was basically a boxing family. Pretty much. Yeah. My grandfather boxed. My uncle used to box cause my, my, uh, my grandfather taught him how to, how to box. Um, when I said uncle before that's part of Rocky Marcy, that was my great uncle. Um, it was it was my grandmother's it was my grandmother's brother that that you know that did it. Um, so like when I grew, up, I remember being a kid and you know ABC's Worldwide of Sports and all that stuff like would come on on Saturdays and stuff, and I didn't want to watch it. And my dad would watch boxing, and I was like, oh, this is so boring. And they just you know like. Dude, you watch guys like Roberto Duran and and Thomas the Hitman Hearns and, and Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Like you watch these guys growing up, and you're like, these guys are phenomenal boxers. Like I lived, you lived, like we lived in an era like the golden times of boxing. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, like it was, it was nothing like today. Like the okay, so we got we got right now we got McGregor and Mayweather going up, right? And and that's the big talk of the town right now. But honestly. I feel Mayweather, De La Hoya, Mosley, all these guys, they destroyed boxing. They created this contract where all De La Hoya's guys went to HBO, all Mayweather's guys went to Showtime, and the titles are stuck on different channels. These guys will never fight each other. Dude, I was I grew up in a time where like Alexis Arguello and you know uh, prior they fought all the time they fought wars and you had Roberto Duran that would fight Sugar Ray and Thomas Hearn. Like how many times you see Hearns and Leonard fight and how many times you say like, dude, Hagler Hearns is probably the greatest fight like we ever saw in our time. Like they, those two beat the hell out of each other. And Hearns was a phenomenal boxer. He just don't get his due because Leonard just owned him every time he fought him. So I grew up at this time, like during this this great era of boxing, and like, like I said, my grandfather, like, just, I, my grandfather was sixty six years old when he died. I remember one time I went to his house. He had to, went to the bar, and he asked me to help him get some stuff out of the garage. And we went out there, and it was me and my cousin and my grandfather, and we're looking at the speed bag, and me and my cousin are hitting the speed bag, and I'm like. 16 years old. No, I'm 17 because I'm driving at the time. So I'm like 17, 18, something like that. My cousin's two years younger than me. We're goofing off. We're hitting up. And my grandfather starts to like show us how to hit the speed bag. And and he's probably in his late 50s at the time. And and we're and I'm goofing off and I'm like trying to do it. And I can't do it. And he gets so pissed at us and he pushes us aside and he starts hitting the speed bag. And I'm telling you, he's wailing this thing. Like you watch the Rocky movies and that's what it looks like. And I'm like, Holy cow, man. Like this guy's 50 something years old and he's hitting the speed. And I got news for you. You hit a speed bag properly. It's not easy to do. It is one of the hardest things you'll ever do is to keep a controlled flow of a speed bag going. And he's just rattling away, man, just going at it. And it was, you know, it was what we grew up on, man. It was just, it was amazing time. Like they own, like I said before, they own the bar and you know, he would call like my dad would call him up and go, dad, you're going to get the fight. All, we watched all the Tyson fights every time Tyson, like that was a spectacle. You know what I mean? Like Tyson was a spectacle. And that's what makes that game so amazing is because you would go up against Mike Tyson in, in Mike Tyson's punch out, right? And he's 
the first minute and 30 seconds, he throws uppercuts. And if he hits them, you go down. But that was how Tyson was. You know what I mean? Like, Tyson was a unicorn that, like, he would come out of that corner. He would run out of the corner, right? He'd run to the other side of the ring. He'd start throwing these crazy uppercuts that when he hit, he would knock your head off. It was nuts. And I gave an analogy to Sean Capri. We were doing a, an episode of If We Ran Nintendo, and I gave it an analogy to him because I was talking about Nintendo and how they were coming into the Switch. And I said, it looked like when Mike Tyson knocked it out, Trevor Burbick. Oh. And you, you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And I said that I said Nintendo during the Wii U was Trevor Burbick. Like Tyson hit him and that footage is the most iconic footage of any knockout that Tyson like you can look at the Spinks stuff and all that stuff that you know like he laid Michael Spinks out. Dude, when he hits Trevor Burbick and that dude just drops and then gets right up and literally like sh- side shuffles and falls through the rope, gets back up, side shuffles the other way and fall. And I'm like, holy cow, dude. The power Tyson had was unbelievable. And he was just this icon that like you would it's a shame. Like I look at Mike Tyson today and I'm really I feel sad. I feel sad when I look at Tyson because I feel like Customato died and he kind of he lost his way. He got wrapped up with Don King and they they pushed out. He he was getting ripped off by his his two white Jewish managers at the time. They were ripping him off. Don King saw that and utilized that to get in, not even realizing Don King was a bigger snake than them two were. But in the process, he gets rid of Rooney, and Rooney was an amazing trainer. Um, he had this sequence where what he would do is he'd sit on the ropes on the side and would just yell numbers to Mike. And it was almost like Kevin Rooney was the controller playing Mike Tyson's punch out, and Mike would hear these numbers, and the numbers were punches. So they would go through training camp, and he'd be like, this particular match would be like one is an uppercut, two is a left hook, three is a right hook, four is a jab. And he would, so he would just sit there and go four, six, seven. And Mike would hear the numbers and boom, do the numbers. And then he throw out other, and he would do it. Or before the match would start, he would go, okay, when I, when you go out, I want you to do five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then come back with a three, four, five. And then you would see Tyson just run across the ring and he's throwing the punches that Kevin Rooney put in his head. And people don't even know that. Like a lot of people don't even realize that. And Tyson was an animal back then. Just an animal. And the thing about Tyson that he doesn't get credit for was he was so defensive. He was a, such a defensive boxer when he was with Rooney and with Customato and all those guys. And the problem was, was when he left and he got with Robin Givens and Don King and all these people, they started to get into his head of like, you're a monster. You're a machine. You don't need these people. You can do it all yourself. You can do all this. And he would actually just go out there and try to one punch people and knock them out with one punch. And it wasn't that. Like if you watch his earlier, it was combinations. You would you would hit him with all this stuff, and then you would catch him slip sleeping and knock him out. And he lost his way ultimately. And um, it's a shame because I look and I go, man, this guy he's got nothing now. You know, he's got no money. The guy had as much money as this man made. Just eliminate the money that he lost because of marriages and stuff. You look at the money he had based on when he came out of prison. Dude, that was insanity, the money. He was making 30, he made $100 million off the Evander Holyfield fight. How do you have no money after that? I can't rip him off. It's, it's sad. It is. 
I think the best. If people are interested in hearing about Mike Tyson, watch the Tyson documentary. I think it's called Tyson. It is yeah. an excellent documentary that pretty much sums up everything you said. It is. It's, it was amazing. Yeah, definitely. I, a lot of people don't give him. A lot of people don't cut him a slack because of the rape and because of the um, because of the ear biting incident. Yeah. I feel like he was falsely falsely accused of the rape. And I feel like the ear biting incident just wasn't him. He wasn't in his proper mindset. And it was just a matter of bad training camp and just scumbags around him. Yeah. He's even you apologized know. for that. Him and Holyfield are good friends now. I yeah, think. they're good friends now. Yeah. But he still, to this day, still to this day, swears up and down he never raped uh, Desiree Washington. And I, I, at that time, I felt like this. I don't know if you remember, but a week I or remember. two before the Kennedy kid. The Kennedy kids went up on trial for raping a girl, and dude, it was so obvious they did it. It was so obvious it happened, and they were a bunch of white kids, and they walked away with scot free. And the outrage after that was tremendous. And then two weeks later, a month later, Mike Tyson gets popped with an accusation, and it was like we're sending a message. <laughs> and, and and he he got caught in the crosshairs. I really truly believe that. That's my honest to god truth belief. Oh. I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I really, truly believe that. To this day, I believe that. Oh, don't get me started on talking about things like that. <laughs> oh, I had a conversation about that uh, last week about the whole OJ thing. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Because I'm going to tell you straight up, I don't know whether he did it or not, mm-hmm. but his second arrest, oh, pay back for that. The second arrest... So the first, okay, so the murder thing, it's hard to say that he didn't do it. And I can't, and I don't know. We weren't there. Who knows? If you, there was a documentary I watched. I have to look it up. I'll send you the email. Definitely. It's about Robert Kardashian. There's a situation where Robert Kardashian is carrying this gigantic suitcase. You see OJ come up, right? OJ pulls up. He, they hand the suitcase to Robert Kardashian. Kardashian's walking around with it. This thing's filled to the gill. It's a Louis Vuitton suitcase. It's filled with stuff, right? Kardashian then walks away after hours, like if not hours, probably 20 minutes of walking around the yard with this bag, puts the bag in his car and leaves. The bag then shows up later at the trial. And it's nowhere near the same bag. Like they show side by side footage. It's not the same bag. It's not the same anything. Now I'm not saying that's an accusation. I'm not saying that's legit. I don't know. But I just feel like there's too much shady stuff around the whole OJ thing. Yeah. Now that that aside, the second trial, the trial of beating those guys up over stolen merchandise like memorabilia. Come on, come on. You and I would have done six months in the county tops. Pops. He did years. And I truly believe he did all that time the second time to pay for the first crime. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Because I don't, again, I don't know whether he did it or not the first time. I mean, to me, it looks shady. It looks like he possibly did. Because after all these years, you don't, like, nothing's ever come out of it. Nothing at all. They didn't even find, like, murder weapon. Nothing. How is that possible? And it's just strange. Yeah. That after the, the trial, they didn't even bother to look for anybody else or see if yeah. he had an accomplice or yeah. anything like that. So I kind of found that always weird. Yeah. 
because you would think like what, what is it 20 years later something yeah. like that right so after 20 years nothing no no other evidence nothing else points to anybody else all the evidence all points to oj i don't know i don't know and if he didn't do it i think the problem with it is is him him beating up on the cold a few times that he did didn't help him in his case you know what i mean like that that just shows a a, a history of violence which hurts his case ultimately I think the sad thing we are, we're, we're since the OJ thing, we're in a weird place as a world where we basically convict our people in the media before anything even happens. I agree. You know, guy walking down the street and someone shoots him, and we have we have it all figured out before anything. Like we know exactly what happened, and. and to me, it's like this is such this is such a travesty of justice, man. People could legitimately just be. A, you know, a product of circumstances, just the wrong place, wrong time, whatever it was. But nope, in the media, we got it all figured out before it even happens. And then next thing you know, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with like the OJ Simpson case, the Mike Tyson stuff, because it's all sensationalism. You know what I mean? Like they want to be, get that moment and they want to just milk it for everything it's worth. And it's like and two weeks later, they're talking about something else. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the media right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% we got to get this thing back in track. Let's get <laughs> all right. Let's get back on track with it. So, who were some of your inspirations to start podcasting? What got you in the game? Okay, so podcasting, I gotta say, Kevin Smith. Um, I was listening to the Kevin Smith podcasts that he has, um, Hollywood Babylon. Um, Smodcast, all that stuff. Like, I love them shows. And that was my first time, like, getting into podcasting. And then from that, he would always sit on his show every other week and be like, yeah, you guys should be podcasting. You know what I mean? Like, every, yeah, everybody should be podcasting. Yeah. I I, I mentioned on this podcast before that exact same thing you said got me into podcasting. Yeah. And and he he always talks about it, and I would be like, okay, Kevin, I, I don't even know how to start. And, that, it, it, and look at, I'll tell you right off Jump Street, it is not easy to figure out how to start podcasting. Nope. There's no magic book. There's no internet website that shows you or any of that. Like, well, there is now. But when I started three years ago, none of that. I would just heard people talking about it. So from that, I started listening to the IGN podcast, and I was like, man, gaming, this this is really talking to me. I really like this. I got to do something with this. And um, I always wanted to do a podcast. I didn't know how to do a podcast, and my wife started on me about um, doing a YouTube channel because she was doing YouTube videos at the time. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Nobody wants to sit there and, and look at you know me and look, they don't want to look at this face and, and talk all the time. And uh, she's like, no, no, no. No, 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 you can do it. You can do it. So I was like, all right, you know, I started doing it and I, I fell in love with it, right? I fell in love with the YouTube videos and stuff. And in that, people started coming to me and they're like, hey, do you want a podcast with us? Do you want to be a guest on my show? And I'm like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? And then that's what it started. The first podcast I ever went on was the Life of Gaming podcast. I don't even think they do it anymore. I think it's on hiatus or it's done or whatever. But I went on that show and I was like this is amazing and they brought me on a couple times i'm like dude this is so cool i gotta figure out how to do this and and then i had a friend mark carabin uh work with a podcast who was doing it and 
I just started asking questions. I'm like, Mark, how do I get an RSS feed? And how do I do this? How do I do that? He, he gave me everything. And I'm thinking to myself, he's not going to tell me nothing. He don't want me to be doing podcasts. He likes competition. He told me everything. and was like, here it is. And I honestly, I have this mentality of, I will help anybody get started, do whatever. Because I have this, I have this thing of like, I always want to pay back Mark. And that's my way to pay back Mark. I had there's a podcast called Nintendo Nostalgia. I don't know if you know of it or if you heard of it. Um, Jacob Rush, Ryan Black, and J- Jacob came to me and was like, "Hey man, I want to start a podcast, but I don't know how to do it." I brought him in, me and Sean got to do it. If we ran Nintendo one day, and I'm like, "Sean, I'm gonna bring this kid into this call. Do you mind? I have a meeting with him." He's like, "Yeah, no, that's no big deal." And I brought him in, and we sat there for an hour, and we just went over everything. And was like, this is how you do it. And this is what you need to do. And this is what you got to get. And this is the equipment you need and all this stuff. We just broke it all down for them and showed them the way. And it's like, if people come to me and they're just like, you know, hey, can you help me? I, as long as I have the time, I have no problem helping people because I feel like it's a way to pay back Mark. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't have any way to pay Mark back, but my way to pay Mark back is just to pay the next guy forward and just help them out. So, but Kevin Smith was a start, honestly. That's, dude's amazing. That's awesome. So if we ran Nintendo, how did you come up with that idea? How did you guys come up with that? Uh, If we ran Nintendo. So how this works is I am all over Facebook in a bunch of Facebook groups. And during the Wii U era, Nintendo was getting beat up so bad every day, just getting crushed. So I was sitting there and I was like, I brought Sean on. I had, at the time, I had a show called The Geek Cast. So I bring Sean on to be a guest. And one of the topics that we had on the show was, if we ran Nintendo, how would we do this? And it was just a, a topic that I did. It went really well. So then after that, we get the, I, I'm Sean goes his way, I go my way, but we keep talking. And we're like, man, we should do something together. We should do something together. So then I get I go on Nintendo Dad's podcast, and at the time I get done a week before doing the geek cast with Justin Masson of the Nintendo Dads, and he's like, "Listen, you got a real strong sense of Nintendo. This geek stuff is cool, but you talk about Nintendo all the time. Why don't you do something Nintendo related?" So I rebranded the because I used to be known as the Geek Guru. So I rebranded my chat. I, I dropped my YouTube channel. I rebranded under the, the Nintendo Guru. Because I don't think I'm a Nintendo guru at all. I just kept the guru part because people knew me as the geek guru. And it just went together. And then my moniker for the geek guru, my catchphrase was geek, definitely guru. I don't know. So I just kept the guru part so people knew who I was. You know what I mean? So I get to talking. And during that show that I'm on Nintendo Dads, I have one podcast. And Justin, I I lose the call. right? I lost, I lost the Google call. My internet went down for about 10 minutes or whatever. By the time I get back into the call, Justin is doing the spotlight, but he's talking about me because I was missing and I was supposed to do my spotlight about what my community is and all that stuff and what I do and all that. And it's the call. And he's like, yeah, Bobby, he's, you know, he's going to start a new podcast and all this. I'm sitting there going like, I'm not starting the podcast. What are you talking about? And I'm like, okay. He said, I'm starting one. I guess I got to start one. So I go to Sean and I'm like, Sean, Let's get a let's let's kick off and let's start a podcast. So, me and Sean go in and we start our episode zero, right? And our episode zero is just basically us talking about 
how we're going to do the show. And we even named the show during our episode zero. So we're going back and forth, and Sean goes, you know, we already have a name here. Why don't we just try and see? And I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking so, too, like if we ran Nintendo, right? And he's like, yeah, man, let's just try. So he looks it up on, on iTunes, or he looks it up on Google, nothing comes up. I look it up on iTunes, and when I look up if we ran Nintendo on iTunes, the only thing that pops up is the one episode of the GeekCast that we did that that was the title of the show, if we ran Nintendo. So it, that's what it was. So essentially it comes from the idea of this. Everybody takes shots at Nintendo. Everybody says Nintendo's stupid. Everybody says they're idiots. They don't know what they're doing. They, they mess up. But they never finish it with what would they do to fix it. It's always Nintendo's idiots. They're stupid. So my thing, my response was, okay, rocket scientist, how do you fix it? You're Nintendo. How do you fix it? So that's the process of the show. Like, hey, and we don't always take bad things. We take things that, like, maybe we just want to tweak or sometimes things we just leave alone, you know? But, like, but it's always like, hey, if we ran Nintendo, this is how we would do it. And we don't do it as the mindset of fanboys. We try to do it from the mindset of, like, this is legitimately, if this was... If the decision was thrown to us, if we're sitting in a boardroom and they said, hey, how do you fix this? Or how do you handle this? Or how do you approach this? This is what we would do. And that's where it all came from. Sounds awesome. Thank you. Okay. Now we get to the good stuff. Nintendo dropped the console earlier this year. Yes. You may have heard of it. It's (laughs) called the Nintendo Switch. Oh, that thing. Okay. I thought you were talking about the, the, the 2DS XL. Okay, no, no, you're talking no, no. about the Switch. Okay, I got you. Talk about that thing. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you feel about your Switch, dude? I love my Switch. popularity. Love my Switch. I prior to the Switch, I played my PS4. Post Switch, I haven't touched my PS4 since. Um, I dude, I just I love this thing. I love the fact that they gave us what they promised us. They said, we're going to give you a console that you could play at the house on your TV. And then, oh, by the way, you can actually pick up that console and go someplace. And you're not going to lose fidelity, your frame rates. All that's going to stick for the most part. And you're going to be able to carry on and, and continue that game on the go. I take my Switch with me to work every day. Like during Zelda, I would sit at work. And I would like literally, I, I was the type of guy that would like when lunch break would hit, I would get up, leave my office, go down to the corner at the deli, pick up a sandwich, bring it back to the office, eat, done, go to go about my day. Got to the point where I was stopping at the deli on the way to work, picking up my sandwich, going to work, and then at lunch break, break out the switch and start playing Zelda and like nibble on my sandwich as I was playing Zelda. And awesome. I did that for the entire duration of Zelda. Splatoon hit, I go in, I, I like play like two, three matches, four matches, whatever I can get fit in my period of time for my lunch break. Um, and then I go about my day. Like that thing has become like just blood for me. Like it's just on me. It's around me. It flows through me. Like I just love the thing. I, I some people crap on it, and I think the people that crap on it just don't have it and don't know what it what it's really truly capable of. It's the idea that I can literally we're podcasting. I can just pop it out right here, and I can be playing the whole time and not even think about it. You know what I mean? Like they 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 gave us the pro controllers. So like they gave us controllers that are, that are legit controllers. Like you can do motion or you can do legit controllers. Like they give you the ultimate options for everything. It's almost like they listened to all the gripes during the Wii U era and started to try to answer. them. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, 
if we want to talk about voice chat, we can get into that because that's really pretty crappy. But ultimately, the console itself, what the thing is meant to do, the main number one function, play games, I think it does it as good, if not better, than anybody in the market. And it's a lot, it's a blast for me. So I'm loving it. I will say this. I think the Switch is the perfect secondary console. In terms of like, if you already have an Xbox One or a PS4 <clears throat> and you want another console, I would recommend getting a Switch. I think within five years, those words will come back to haunt you. That's my opinion. I think within five years, it will become the number one console. And the reason why I believe that is in future iterations, it's going to get more powerful because I truly believe I've, I've preached it over and over and over again. I think it starts to become like the iPhone where Nintendo just upgrades the tablet and it becomes more powerful as time goes. And it starts to close that gap between it'll never be whatever Sony and Xbox are, but it'll close the gap. And once they close that gap and they start giving third parties more raw power, you're going to see all the third parties going over. And then you're going to start seeing people go, Hey man, do I want to pay Madden just strictly at home? Or do I want to take Madden over to my buddy's house and the four of us sit around a kitchen table and play Madden together right there talking. And we all have our own console. Do I want to play Call of Duty at home on a, with a headset? Or do I want to do a game that, like, look, Delvin, I don't know how you were, but when I was a kid, right, my parents, once a month, twice a month, on a Friday night, Saturday night, they call their brothers, their sisters, their best friends, all that. They'd all come over. they bust out the board games, Trivia Pursuit, Monopoly, all that stuff. The parents would all sit in the, in the kitchen, gather around a table, playing a board game, having snacks, and the kids were in the other room watching movies and stuff. I think Nintendo gives families the abilities to go back to that in a weird way. And I think if you had, if you gave me the choice of sitting on my couch playing Grand Theft Auto V with my buddies or the, the opportunity to run down the street to go to my buddy's house and all, and all of us meet up and play that way, I'd rather play that way all day long. Now, at this iteration, it's not there. But I think five, six years down the road, I think it starts to close the gap. And I think that's when things really change. What it's doing now is really, truly strong. And the idea of what it's doing is amazing. What it's, what it's doing is it's answering the call to the, to the United States, to Canada, to Europe, but also Japan. Xbox One doesn't sell in Japan. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they just don't buy American products. Another part of that is they don't buy consoles. PlayStation 4, their sales aren't that strong compared to, like, you know, the United States. So what Nintendo was able to do was cater to the Japanese, but also cater to the Americans. And if they can make that, that tablet just get more powerful as we move forward and appease you and me, and the guys that want their Xbox Ones and their PS4s, they win. In my mind, they, they start to win and close the gap. Sean Capri came on. We were doing a show one time right after Nintendo revealed the Switch. And Sean Capri made the statement of, this thing isn't even the number three console in someone's lineup. This thing might even be worse than the number four. I, I would probably maybe even go as far as say mobile's ahead of this. And me and, and my and, and the other guy that was on the show with us, Toby Thornton, 
Um, we were just like, you're crazy, you're nuts, whatever. Like, no, no, no. And he was like, no, I'm telling you, I'm not even going to, nobody's going to think about this thing. And now you talk to Sean, and Sean's like, dude, this is my number one console. Like, I don't even think about my PS4 and my Xbox now. Like, they're, I think about them, but they're second, third tier now. I think about my Switch because I could, you know, like, especially with a kid, he's got the baby now. So, like, if he's got to, like, change a diaper or kid's crying, you know, he'll, he'll just take the Switch with him. You can't do that with way, you know? So what I think Nintendo really is on to something big in a big, bad way. And I really do believe in the future it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. Yeah, I think the future for the system is very bright, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited about the aspect of the fact that I have to buy WWE 2K18 twice. <laughs> That's, you know what? It, it sucks, but... It's it's a step in the right direction. They they brought it so late, it was obvious. That's what had to happen. Hopefully next year, they'll go, you know what? Let's just bring it right there, right from the get-go. They decided late in the game to do this. This was something that just happened like, what, a month ago? And the game was, was slated to come out in October. So, But I'm happy we're getting it. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm really happy we're getting it. I'm excited. It's gonna yeah. be, I'm excited. I'm going to buy it twice because, like I said, I want to play it on my PS4 for the graphics. Yes. And I'm going to pay it on my Switch for on the go. And that's but, here's the thing, but here's the thing I think that's going to happen to you, Delvin. You're going to look at the two and you're going to go, the Switch really isn't that bad on the go. It's not that bad. So maybe next year you go, you know what? This thing wasn't that bad. They gave me everything they gave me in the PS4 version. It's just the graphics were a little bit less. I might just buy the as long as they give you all the bells and the whistles again and they give you the collector's edition and all that, you might just go, hey, I'm going to buy it straight on Switch. And that's where they start to win. It's when those moments happen that they start to win. That's what I'm looking at. And you're very correct because if that happens, if they give me the collector's edition and stuff like that, I may lean more to the Switch version of it. Because you get to take it on the go. Think about it. You go on vacation, take it with you. That's, that's appealing, man. Yeah, that is very appealing. But, yeah, man, I'm looking very forward to the future of the Switch. What do you think? What games are you looking forward to playing on the Switch? Now that we talk about WWE 2K. Okay, so I, I definitely want WWE 2K. I want to. I want to get FIFA. Um, I'm interested to try Skyrim. Um, I never played Skyrim before, so I'm interested to try it. I don't know that I'll be in love with it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Um, I'm very interested in SteamWorld Dig. I'm very interested in flipping death. I'm very interested in um, the Runner Three game that's coming. Got to be Mario Odyssey, right? How can you not? That Odyssey game just looks amazing. Um, Fire Emblem that comes at the tail of next year. I'm so so on Metroid. I, I'm going to play the. I'm, I'm more of a 2D Metroid guy than the 3D Metroid games, but that's that's just my opinion. But I, I'm happy that they got it. Um, that's probably at the at the moment. Those are the games that I'm really hyped for coming down the the, the pike. And the thing of it is, it's like, oh, you know what, Mario Rabbids too. That game, I'm so excited for that game. Like I'm into turn based strategy games, and um, them them coming out and saying like this is like XCOM in, in the Mushroom Kingdom. Like I'm hyped for it. I'm like I'm ready. I heard for it's this. hard. It, I, that's what I've heard too. I've heard it. And XCOM is not easy. XCOM is not easy, man. So if it's if it's tough. I'm that sign me up, man. That's good. That's what I like about turn-based strategy games. Like it's they're fun, you know. They're 
you get in there and you start playing, you start to get that strategy down, you start to figure out where the pieces go and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. So I'm ready for that one too. Definitely. I think it's gonna be an interesting year. Well, let's let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So many great games this year. Mm-hmm. On every console, and it's going to be very interesting to see what game of the year is going to be, and the fact that it's very likely that game of the year may be a Switch game. I think game of the year is Zelda. That's my opinion. I think what Nintendo was able to accomplish with Breath of the Wild is mind-numbing, and what I mean by that is this. Most games that come out that are open world like that come with a gigantic day one patch to fix a bunch of stuff that's wrong with the game. And by the way, doesn't fix it all. You still have a bunch of glitches with it. Fallout 4, my wife, Platinum Fallout 4, right? To this day, she was playing it. There is glitches in it to this day. It's over, over what, two years old now? And they have still haven't fixed all the bugs. Assassin's Creed Unity came out, a bunch of glitches. All this different stuff. Nintendo drops it day one. The only issue with that game day one was the fact that when you went through certain areas where there was a lot of high grass, you get a slowdown on it. Two weeks later, they put out a patch because they realized it's the Wi-Fi. has nothing to do with the game. It's the Wi-Fi in the system itself. They put a patch out. They fixed the bug. It's like, come on. Really? That's it? That's the only bug there was, and they fixed it after two weeks? It's amazing. I, I'm just blown away that they were able to take the open world genre, their first like dip into that type of game, and just totally flip it on its ear and be like, this is what we're doing. And to the point where I think that fans who play it are going to now look to open world games and go, I can't climb up that wall? Why, why can't I climb up that Why can't I climb up that cliff? Like, Nintendo let me climb up with Zelda. Like, when they... Dude, when I first saw the first poster of Link climbing up the side of a mountain... I was like, that is stupid. Why? 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 Why are we climbing up a bill? I don't want to climb up the side of a mountain. And now it's like muscle memory, man. It's like second nature. It's like, oh, that is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can go down this road where I know there's 15 guardians that are going to kill me in one shot, or I can climb over this mountain and it might take me a while, but I'm going to get over this mountain and get away from all this. Dude. And the other thing with it was this. You and I could play the game, right? You play. I play, and we end up with totally different areas of the map that we're in, where most of the time when you play an open-world game, it kind of points you in the right direction. It, it fades you. You should be going this way. You should be doing this. This kind of goes, you can go over there, or you can go wherever you want to go. And Sean, Toby, and I, we all played, and then I guess after like two weeks, we were like, hey, where are you guys at? Let's just get a gauge where you're at all playing the same style game where we're tackling shrines and we're taking down towers and we're in totally different areas of the map. I got different beasts taken down than Sean. Sean hasn't even seen a beast yet. Toby has one, but his is totally different than the one I took down. It's like, this is nuts. You know, like, it's just crazy to think. Like, I, Donnie Reese, same thing. I was talking to Donnie about it one time and, and he's like, yeah, man, I'm way over here. And I'm like, dude, how, how are you over there? Why aren't you over here? He's like, ah, I just started here and I Ended up over there, and it's just it's nuts. I love it. I love this game. So good. And it's also interesting that we may get this again with Mario. I know. See, that's my thing. This is what I think happens. So you go into an IGN meeting, right? And they're and they're sitting there and they're trying to debate game of the year. And you got all these people sitting there, and you got half people taking Mario, and you got another half of the Nintendo people taking Zelda. 
And then you have everybody from Sony going Horizon. And ultimately, Horizon would pull more votes than Zelda or Mario because them two are eating each other up, kind of, in some degree. So I, that's my biggest fear, is, is what would happen. But I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Mario. Mario could be a dud, honestly. We don't know yet. We haven't played it. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. I think they could potentially have two games. That's what blows me away. Nintendo, for people that are going like there's no games on Nintendo, you look, they're putting out an exclusive game every single month. How do they have no games? It blows me away. And you look at like year one of the PlayStation 4, there was no PlayStation exclusives in terms of from Sony first parties. They had Infamous, and that was probably it. Nintendo puts... And Infinite wasn't even that good compared to the other two. You know what I mean? So when you look at it, you go, man, this is like Uncharted was supposed to be year one. Didn't happen. They pushed it. We knew that was going to happen, but that's fine. Let them take their time because they do phenomenal games. Um, But when you look at it, you go like, how in the world are you saying that Nintendo has no games when, okay, I could have bought a PlayStation 4 year one, but all the games were on the PlayStation 4 were on the Xbox One. Flip a coin, which do you want? And that's what you have. But Nintendo, they, they don't have third-party support. Theirs is all indie and, and self-sufficient. Like, dude, there is new games every week that are coming out for the, for the Switch. And I'm like, I got 29 games on my Switch. That is insane. Year one, I'm not even into one year yet. We're six months after. And I got 29 games on my Switch. That is insane, the amount of stuff that's coming out. I'm, I'm ecstatic as a Switch owner, man. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely cool to see the comeback. Let's just call that. Cause that's what Absolutely. 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 Because they were down and out, man. There was people that were talking about if the Switch don't work, Nintendo is done. They're going to have to go third party. And I'll tell you what, they ain't going third party anytime oh, soon because they are crushing it right now. So... I honestly don't want to see that. No, me neither. Me neither. I think it's. I think it's. I think it hurts the gaming industry because Sony has nobody to copy at that point. (laughs) It's the truth, though. It's the God's honest truth. Sony copycats Nintendo so much. Microsoft does try. Look at Nintendo leads the charge. They always have. These guys look at what Nintendo does and they go, "We're going to cherry pick." and try to make it better. You know, like, they came out with the Wii. Sony gets to move, which is almost identical to the Wii. And then and then we get Kinect. Contrary to revisionist history, when Nintendo announced the Wii U, Sony changed the, the, the narrative on the Vita to say, you can do the same thing with this as you can with the Wii U, the gamepad. And Microsoft did, what was it, uh, the, the Xbox, the glass, the smart glass. So they both started following. And when Nintendo flopped, that's when they backed off of that. And we're like, no, 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 that's no, we're not doing that. So honestly, like they do, they copycat a lot of what, you know, Nintendo does. And that's what I like about Nintendo. Nintendo is not afraid to take chances with their hardware and try new things, you know, leading into this, Leading into this whole thing with the Switch, nobody knew what we were getting. Everybody was so scared and so upset. And when that first little teaser trailer hit, everybody blew up because they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. When that dude 
is playing his switch on the TV, and then he the dog barks, and he jumps up, and he just drops the things in and t- picks up and goes, it's like, boom. You just heard the entire internet just blow up. It was 10 seconds in, and then they just exploded. I was hyped, man. It was. I, I love what they did with this thing. And coming from somebody who hated the Wii U, I hated the Wii U, by the way. <laughs> I waited in line for the Switch for five hours. Oh, my God. Wow. The day it wow. came out, I waited in line at Best Buy for five hours. Let me was- ask you a question. Okay, so you hated, you hated the Wii U. Yes, hated it. The passion. So what made you decide Switch was right for you, that you're going to flip and now go back to Nintendo? What was it that said, I got to have a Switch? That dumb commercial you just described. <laughs> I, I saw the commercial like, that looks awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That, that commercial got me so hyped. That commercial alone had me sold. So much so, like, out on the reveal night that they did the conference, right? I went into that conference and I said, all I need to hear is price and can we pre-order? And that's yep. all I want. If they if they answer those two things for me, the rest means nothing. So we watched the reveal, reveal, reveal trailer. It was me, Sean, and Toby. We're all watching together. And I'm watching. I'm hyped. Like they show Splatoon 2. I get hyped. I see Mario Deluxe. I get Mario Kart Deluxe. I get excited. Going through the motions. Start to get bored in the middle. That Zelda trailer, I come right back up out of it. I'm excited. We go into We shut that down and we go into a podcast. And Sean's not happy. He's like, they didn't answer no questions. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because my two answers, my two questions got answered. But I wasn't telling Sean, like, they're the only two things I need. He wants to know about voice chat and online and virtual console and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't care about none of that. I saw what that trailer showed. I want two things. They gave them to me. They gave me the price. I can afford it. They gave me that it's going to be pre-orders. I'm happy with that. That's all I wanted. So for me, they sold me in that teaser trailer, the rest of it. And and you know what the funny thing is, is like people were like, oh, you know, it was weird because – they weren't they weren't cheering like they're announcing stuff and nobody's cheering and I was like, dude, anybody? You're a wrestling fan. Yep. Ever watch Japanese New, New Japan wrestling, Ring of Honor, all, all this stuff? They don't. Them, them matches are eerily quiet. It is so eerie. I watched a match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, and, and you could hear a pin drop in that arena, and it is a big arena they're in. And you can hear a pin drop, and it's like, wow. It's just the culture. That's all it was. If they would have done that same thing in Las Vegas, you'd have had a different reaction. Ultimately, that's the way I looked at it. You hit everything right on the head, man. Thank you. <laughs> I, like I said, I sat there for five hours. <laughs> Any final thoughts about what's coming up this year? Anything else that you're excited for in terms of the Switch, even PlayStation or Xbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, all across the board. Like I'm, I got my PlayStation. I'm excited. I am excited for an Xbox Xbox One X. I've never gotten into Xbox at all. Um, never owned one at all. Phil Spencer, the past few years, has just really been talking my game, talking my language, and get me excited. And I watched the reveal trailer or the reveal for that at E3, and I was like, I want one. I, I you know. I've been slowly leaning toward, towards an S. And the only reason is I go, man, 500 bucks is a lot to shell out for never playing playing their console. Maybe I should go the route of the 250 
and give it a shot and then go from there. So I'm I'm flipping back and forth and I figure, you know what, let me wait till it's actually available for pre-order. It'll probably be closer to Black Friday, see what kind of deals Amazon has, and then go from there. I could probably pick one up on the cheap from Amazon and then let my wife just bombard me for Christmas with a bunch of games. I'll just be like, contact Sean, find out what games I should have, and let him tell her, and then I'll be happy, and I'll, I'll get it. But Xbox has me excited, honestly. Xbox One. Um, Mario Odyssey has me super excited just because I feel like it's going to take me back to my childhood. Um, and I think that's the thing with, with what Nintendo's doing right now. I always look at Nintendo and I go, does it take me back to when I was 15 years old? When I was 15, that was the greatest time of my life. I just, you have no responsibilities. I go to a job occasionally on weekends, working part-time, go out, buy new games, hang out with my buddies, play video games. That was the extent of my life at 15. So if I can get a, if I can get something that reverts me back to my, when I'm 15 and brings back those nostalgic feelings, that gets me hyped. Playing Zelda got me hyped like that. Um, now I look at Mario and I go, man, this could actually get me back there again. Like it could take me back to a time warp. And that's what gets, you know, that's what has me excited looking at Mario. Cause I'm like, that game is going to be, I think it's going to be really good and something special. So, but that would be it. That would be the one that I'm excited for. Definitely, man. Man, thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate that, man. This is man, awesome, man. Man, thank you for having me on. I've, uh, I, I've been a fan of Delvin Cox for a while now. And, uh, I've been like, we've been tweeting back and forth occasionally. And I'm like, this guy has the same mindset as me, man. I just need to sit down and talk to him for a little bit. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And then uh, you sent that tweet last week and was like, Don, like, put it in a good word. I'm like, what are you, dude, you put in your own good word, man. You just message me and we'll make it happen. Don't worry about it. My wife, call, my wife calls me a podcast whore. So I'll do anything. Anybody wants me, you know, like I'll go on anything. So, um, but no, I, I, I get excited for shows like this. And the reason why I say it, I get excited for shows like this because it's different. It's not your typical two, three guys in a room talking. It's you sitting down, talking to somebody one-on-one, hitting them up, asking them questions. Like, it shows because the, the, the direction you take the show, you take a little time, you do a little research on the people, you find out what they're into, what they like, and all that stuff. Like, dude, you're doing great a great job, man. And, and I really strongly suggest anybody listening to this show, subscribe. Like if you're listening because you came in because of me, subscribe, give Delvin more. And if you are a content creator, reach out to him be like, Delvin, can I come on your show? Cause it's fun, man. It, it, this guy is amazing. So seriously, give it a, give it a shot. So there we go. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And I also got a message from you. Dream daddy. Bobby sends his regards. Uh, you know what, dude, that is get out of here. You know, yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. You know what? This 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 Twitter handle has been following me around for two weeks now. It's like a ghost, man. I don't. I got no words. No words. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous, man. I may, I had to look up the message to make sure I got it right. Oh, you're. You know what, Delvin? Everything I said about Delvin two minutes ago. Take it back. Don't. I don't listen no more. Cut it loose. I can't believe you threw me under the bus with that thing. <laughs> Josh Stapleton, he contacted me this week. He thought that was me. And I'm like, Josh, that is not me. I swear that is not me. Somebody think, like, this name just showed up, 
right? So last week, Sean and I are doing, if we were in Nintendo, we do it live now, right? We're on Patreon. We said if we hit a certain goal, we'll take the show live. We were blessed by the people. We're humbled by the people. We met that goal. We took the show live, right? Awesome. In the middle of it, we have a listener, Lucas Lore. We listened to a show called Megadads. And during that, John Wall, one of the hosts, was playing a game called Dream Daddy, right? So out of that, it's it's a weird game. It's a game about a guy that moves into a neighborhood. It's a cul-de-sac, and it's all single fathers, and they're all gay, and they all hook up with each other. <laughs> I've heard okay. about this game. Yeah. I, I talk about streaming, and one of the listeners of Megadads and one of my listeners, Luke Lore, says, are you going to are you going to stream Dream Daddy? And I'm like, no, I'm not streaming <laughs> that game. I'm not playing that game, right? So now we're sitting there. We're doing If We Ran Nintendo Live, and Luke brings it up in the chat. And all of a sudden, this Dream Daddy Bobby shows up in the chat. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And he's been following me around everywhere. Every time I stream, he pops up. Every time somebody talks about it now, they're talking about it on different podcast shows. He he cuts the section out of the show, puts it up on Twitter, tags me in it. I'm like, this is ridiculous. He showed up in my in my Discord chat. I'm like, so Josh Stapleton thought it was me. I'm like, Josh, it is not me, man. I swear <laughs> it's not me. You got a fan. I, it's it's weird, man. Cause I I know it's somebody that listens to us. I just don't know who it is. I know who it is. I think I've been saying it's I don't know if you know him. Alejandro Buendia is his name. Um he's in the community. I think that's who it is. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think that's who it is. But it's weird. I'm not I, it's and it's weird that he messages you. Like Yeah. Did you tweet out that I was gonna be on the show today? No, I um when we first had the conversation. He oh. me after that follow, follow. How does he know that I'm on today? Oh, this is weird. This is weird. What is it you, Delvin? Is that the problem? Are you Dream Daddy Bobby? No, no. <laughs> Not at all. Josh, question Delvin. I think Delvin's <laughs> on to me. I think Delvin knows who it is, or Delvin I can, is the I cannot possibly him. He, he, <laughs> he hates Batman Beyond. <laughs> I know. We I don't know. I don't vibe with that. That is funny. <laughs> He was like, Batman Beyond sucks. I'm like, what? No, 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 no. no. Oh, good God. Good God. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. I don't, I don't know what to say no more. I'm done. So you're not playing Daddy <laughs> no, I'm not playing later. Get out of here. <laughs> People are talking about that game. I, You know what? I, they are. They are. And I don't know. Well, I guess it's you know it is what it is. We're in a different society nowadays. Like people are into that's that's fine. To each their own. They can. It's not me. I'm, I'll stick to Zelda and Mario. It's an interesting concept for a game. It is. It's. It's yes, absolutely. Obviously, there's a niche out there that people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure, like for YouTubers that are, are streaming content and Twitch streamers, like it's got to be comical. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be something you can take and have fun with and make you know your streams entertaining but it ain't for me man it ain't for me i'll do it when you do it i'll stream it and i'll play it after you do it that ain't happening <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening come on delvin you're first you go first and then i'll go after you i'm not streaming that game at all <laughs> i'll you're probably gonna... get a whole new fan base behind it 
There but, you go, man. There you go. That's what we're talking about. I can't we're, do it, man. It's you're so you'll okay, so you'll play the game, you just don't want to stream it's what you're saying. Nah, not even neither <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. I'll play no, look at your changes. and you play Dream Daddy. You'll play what? Have you heard about that game, Frisky Business? No. What is that? Google that game. <laughs> Greg, Greg Miller was talking about that game. Really? When you're a detective, right? Uh-huh. And the ob- object of the game is to screw all the girls in the game. What is wrong? It's on PlayStation world? 4. Get out of here. It's on PlayStation 4? Yes. Oh, my God. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> Good God. Good God. Uh, okay. <laughs> I got no words anymore. I'm done. Oh, man. It's crazy. The games that they're coming out with nowadays. Mm. Good Lord. That's just... Uh. Well, anyway. thank you for coming to the Delicat Experience. <laughs> thank you for having me, though. We're definitely going to have you back on again so we can talk about Dream Daddy Simulator. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, great having you on, man. We're definitely going to have you back on again to talk about more stuff, man. Appreciate thank you, man. On. Thank you very much. It was a blast. Definitely, man. Everybody, we are out. Peace. I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're at home with Claire, who is warming up for a bit of boxer size. Yep, she's welcomed in the new year with a fancy new workout setup. Look at that branded punch bag with matching gloves. And that gorgeous coordinated athleisure. So coordinated. She is working out and working it. Well, with prices this good on designer workout gear, how couldn't she? Whoa! She's back on the sofa. With her feet in an excellently priced foot spa. Iconic. Get those toes to Marshalls. Fabulous brand. Feel good prices at Marshalls.